Okay. If you would open your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 1. How's everybody doing? It's good to worship, huh? Just a short encouragement about, uh, you know, when we come together, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and uh, uh, one of the ways that we encourage each other is by praying for one another, just having a prayer or a, a blessing for, for, for one another, even like I was saying about the, the college kids that are coming next week, um, just even with one another, with each other on Sundays, you know, if you have something for somebody, you look around, you see a friend, and you just know that they're going through a hard time, and you have an encouragement in your heart for them, just, just man, say, Lord, what, what is it you want me to say to them to encourage them? And go, go share it with them. Say, hey, can I pray for you? And share that little word of encouragement, and that's, that's one way we work out this, uh, this spiritual gift that we're supposed to seek more than any other spiritual gift. Isn't that weird? The gift of prophecy. He says, earnestly, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, earnestly seek spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because it builds up the church. It builds up. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he says, it brings strengthening, encouragement, and comfort to the church. So uh, we need that, right? We need that gift in our midst. I need that encouragement. I had somebody come this morning and just in the middle of worship and give me an encouraging word that just really uh, strengthened me in my, in my spirit. So thank you, Lord. All right, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's read the Word of God and uh, just even in your own heart as, as, you, as we read this together, say, Lord, shape me, change me. Grow me. uh, Conform me to the image of Christ as we read this word together. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes comes in, also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that He promised to those who love Him? But you've insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of Him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you, commit a, if you do not commit adultery, but do mur- commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes, Lord, bless the reading of Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We say it together, Amen. 
Okay, so last week, um, again, if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. And uh, I'm Jamie. I'm the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, we're working our way through a series on the book of James. And we're calling this Peace Under Pressure. And last week, we looked at response time. Remember that? Response time. So the, the, the whole idea was that God has birthed in us the word of truth. It's the life of Christ within us. This kind of living word, the word of Jesus and truth, not just like precepts, do this, don't do this, but truth, like truth is a person. Jesus Christ is the truth. You know, so this is being birthed in us and it changes us. It changes the way we think and the way we live. And so last week we talked about response time. Response time is this space where we listen, where we're slow to speak, quick to listen, and where we respond to God in listening, but it's also the space in which we act. We don't just listen to God and then walk away and not do what He says. We listen to God and we act because He's done this thing in us that's absolutely incredible. It's the good news. It's the gospel. It's what only God could do in bringing His life into us, and it just absolutely sets us free to run with God. You know, you don't have to, you know, always be under this heavy mantle of, well, I'm just performing my way to God. No, you're not. You couldn't do anything to get there. Okay, now, you might think you are, but you're not. Let me say it, say it that way. You might think you are, but you're not. And so God's done it, and now we're free to live life with Him and to become all that He's trying to bring into our lives. I feel like I'm already preaching. I'm having trouble getting air. And, and so all this stuff He's trying to bring into our lives so that we can enjoy Him. We can enjoy His goodness. We can be able to experience... I mean, the best He has to give us is Himself. I mean, that's really the truth. And so He's making us and shaping us and forming us into people that will ultimately be able to really treasure heaven, really treasure life with Him. But it's, it's, it's a process right now. I'm being conformed. Jim is not the same brother that he was when I first met him. He's being shaped and conformed into the image of Christ. And so, so am I. That was last week. Just wanted to catch everybody up. This week, we're talking about, at least on the surface, the issue of favoritism. Favoritism. Don't, don't show favorites. Don't, you know, see somebody that's dressed nice. Hey, we've got a great seat for you right here. You know, and somebody that's poor, you know, you do something that's, that's not nice to them. That's, that's the issue ostensibly on the surface. That's what's going on. And uh, where I'm going with this, and I want to just, uh, the, this whole message today, if, if I can get to Jesus Christ being the center of everything, you know, then I, then I hit the mark. Then, then I just you know, walk off. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know if that works. Um, it just like, yes. Like, yeah, that'd be good. So, this favoritism thing is uh, the rich, the poor, and it would be strange for us to actually do this. Now, we do it. We make judgments all the time. It's part of the fall. I'm going to just unpack that today. But uh, we do that. But it would be strange when we understand who we really are. That we've been brought into one family and made to be one people. You know, look around. The, there's all different kinds of colors and shapes and hues and 
nationalities and ethnicities and different countries that are represented all around this room. And it's right. It's right that it's that way. May it be more so. It's right because we're one family together in Christ. In Christ, we're made to be a new race of people, a new humanity of people together, one in Christ. Does not mean we don't know that I've got German roots or whatever my you know, mixture you know, all in my past is? It doesn't mean I don't know that, but it does mean that I have a higher allegiance, a higher family orientation than just knowing people according to the flesh. I want to know people according to the Spirit of the living God. This new family that we've been brought into. And so it would be strange for us to recognize the rich that way or the poor that way. He says, I mean, the poor get it. They've been chosen by God to not be encumbered by things that cause them to not see the beauty of the kingdom of God. And so he wants us to see those basic, basic things. The poor have been chosen to be rich in faith and understand the kingdom. And there is a basic issue going on in this passage that I want us to see, and it's the issue of judgment. So when we say favoritism, it's another way of saying judgment. I judge you here, and I judge you here. And it is such a product of the fall that we, we do that kind of thing. And uh, again, I'm going to just kind of keep unpacking that. Maybe you know uh, the struggle of being judged. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's been like a couple days maybe or a month or sometime when it really happened really in a dramatic kind of way in your life where you were judged by something, you know, who you are in some way, what you do, what you stand for. You know, could be Jesus even, being judged for being a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you know not only when you are being judged, but you know when you've judged someone else. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just going to the mall and just, just dishing it out. Just them, that, what, that, that kid, and she needs to learn how to parent. And, you know, and that's just free. You know, just walking around. Just... It's like, wow. You know, and you hear that self-talk and you go, whoa, man, I'm like, I'm really, I'm, I got it going right now. And uh, I'm going to say this, this is a big mantra around here, but you can't judge and love at the same time. You can't judge people and love them at the same time. It's a big deal. Um, you, what happens is, to really judge somebody, you have to hold yourself back from them and kind of not be a part of them to, to really judge them. So if we're meant to be one body and one family, it's going to be hard for us to judge one another because we're together. But if I hold myself back from you, then I can look at, you know, I can say what, you know, what you're doing that I like or don't like or what's good or not good. I'm not a part of you. It's us and them. And it's me and you. And it's not, a ma- it's not a minor thing because it hinders the major thing, which is love. And that's where we're going with this today. Practicing the royal law of love. And on the royal law thing, I, I want us to get this. That all through this passage today running from all, really all through those verses is this idea of the kingdom of God. You know, my brothers, 
as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that and we think of Jesus, but the word Christ, again, is the anointed King. You know, one of my favorite theologians, a guy named N.T. Wright, he has a translation of the New Testament that's out now. It's called the Kingdom Translation or something like that. But he translates Christ as King. Every place Christ is, he puts King there because it emphasizes that Jesus Christ is the King. Jesus Christ reigns. Now that may or that may be better than, than Christ because, I mean, we didn't grow up in a Jewish culture where Christ meant we were anticipating a Messiah who was going to come and be the King. We didn't, we didn't grow up like that. But does King communicate that He reigns, that He has a kingdom, that He has the edicts in this kingdom of ways that we're to love, and, and He has a royal law, has a royal law, and that royal law is to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, that law sums up everything that He wants to say to us, that He ushers in His kingdom through the way that we love, you know, the way God expresses His love for us to bring us into the goodness of, of who He is. So it's a big deal. Love God. Love one another. Love those who don't know Christ. That's the way we state our core values as a church. Love God. Love one another. Love those who don't know Christ. And Jesus said, what's to be the identifying mark of my disciples? This is how you can know people are my disciples. The way they love one another. Now, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Now, you might think in looking at Christianity in the world today that that's not necessarily what Jesus said was going to be the identifying mark. It was going to be, uh, you'll know that you're my disciples when you think the right things about the different controversial doctrines of the faith. Isn't that interesting? Uh, You'll, you'll know you're my disciples when you get baptized in the right way, the right water, the right church, the right... You know you're my disciples... This is out of the notes, right? All this, so we'll see where this goes. You know you're my disciples when you do communion in the right way. You know, when you just have one cup. Or... That's kind of gross sounding, isn't it? I think a house church might be a little easier... Not in the winter months. You get the point. And people have totally divided down through the centuries over this stuff. Killed each other. Killed to death each other. Killed to death. Somebody like that. Killed to death. Yeah. Okay, so Jesus comes. And Jesus, you guys, is the self... like. We can come up with all kinds of ideas about what God's like, but Jesus Christ is the self-revelation of God. This is, he says, this is what I'm like. You know, we say, you're like this doctrine, and you're like this doctrine, and you're like this doctrine, and God comes and says, this is what I'm like. And whatever idea you come up with about what I'm like, it has to run through the filter, through the lens of Jesus Christ. He is the hermeneutic, He's how we understand the Bible. It's the point of what these Scriptures are about. They all point to Him. The centrality of Jesus Christ. And in the end, what you see when you look at Jesus is that for each one of us, and for every human being who's living on planet Earth right now or has ever lived, He expresses unsurpassable value. 
He expresses love for us. He expresses a self-sacrificing love that in the end, He lays His life completely down. That's what God is like. He loves. Self-sacrificing love. To follow Jesus is going to be to learn what love is about. Is this like a shaky limb? Am I getting out on some fragile kind of place here? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's what I'm trying to say on the centrality of Jesus. God is our source. Jesus is the center of life. And now we're free to practice the royal law of love. So let's look at this. We've got a couple choices that we're looking at here in this passage. And there's more that we could do. I'm just giving us a couple, a couple swings at it. Um, and, and I'm not saying everything that I believe about everything um, in this one message. Recently found that I need to do that from time to time. Say that, disclaimer. Um, so, these are the choices that we face. Number one, the center. That's, that's a choice. What's the center going to be in our lives? God or Jesus or us? Who's going to be the center of our lives? Now, check this out. This first one here was written by Jesus Christ's younger brother. <laughs> just trippy. <laughs> like, whoa. Like, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know how crazy that is? That's James 1.1. 1, 1. You know how crazy that is for a Jewish man to, like, throw in his brother in with God? The name that couldn't even be spoken, Yahweh, you know, just, it's mind-blowing. So in chapter 2, verse 1, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings, don't show favoritism. Now, it's an issue of what's the center place in our lives. We were made to be image bearers, right? We were made to... Live life in a way that reflects the goodness and the love and the life of God. God made us that way. There was a, we fell in the garden. We were, but we were made to carry God's life. We were made to live by God's life. And the tragedy of the fall in the Garden of Eden is that instead of God being at the center of our lives, we've replaced God at the center of our lives with ourselves at the center of our lives. And if you do that, and it's not like anybody is immune to doing this. You know, when we do that, live by, in that fallen kind of way, in darkness, when we do that, you know, God made things so that with God at the center, we can receive all that we need and we can give all that He's wanting us to give to those people around us. And that's part of just maturing and growing up is being more conformed to the image of Christ is we receive from God. He's the center of our lives. We receive from Him. And we've got something to give to other people. His love in particular. Everybody tracking with me? Now, what if God's not at the center? What if I'm at the center of my life? When I'm at the center of my life, now I don't have enough to go around. I don't have hardly anything to give to somebody else. In fact, if I've gotten something with me at the center to give to somebody else, I probably got it from somebody else and I'm just kind of passing along this little bit, but it's just a finite amount. You see what I'm saying? So what ends up happening with me at the center, the me world, when, I'm, when I'm, it's me world, then I'm not just looking to give to other people, I'm looking to get life from other people. 
I'm looking to get whatever I can get from you to give my life meaning, purpose. I want to I find you know, hope and satisfaction and things that I suck from other people because I'm not getting it from God who's at the center of my life. It's a big deal. Absolutely huge. It's like when we choose to live off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though it seems like we're doing right in our minds, we're disobeying God who wanted us to live a dependent life upon Him. So, yeah, I mean, knowing evil or doing evil, we don't need to do that. But even the good stuff, when we're putting ourselves on the throne, that's also sin because we're not living a dependent life upon God. We're on the throne. We're on the center. Wait, tracking. That's a big deal. Because I think in the religious world, it's real easy to live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and totally be... uh, and totally be doing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, and just kind of saying this is wrong, this is right, and not depending on God to be that source of love and wisdom. You know, there's a religious version of living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that even gets joy, gets light by pointing out other people's faults and what they're doing wrong, and you know, that's ev- you know, you're doing it wrong in that church and that kind of thing. And the issue then is who's going to be the sinner? God or us? Jesus or us? He's the word of truth. And uh, when we're at the center, we constantly see our emptiness. And, uh, and so we're needing uh, all the time. Instead of expressing unlimited love, I'll just say this another way, instead of expressing unlimited love to people, because... Uh, Think about everybody that you know, everybody that you're going to see this week, everybody that you're going to encounter this week, they were worth Jesus Christ dying on the cross for. So what God really wants us to give them is unsurpassable love, just value. We express value to them, love to them, because that's the way God actually feels about them. Okay? But when I'm on the center, when I'm in the center, I, instead of expressing love, I might be going, do you like me? Do you approve of me? You know, did you like this sermon? Um, if you're a worship leader, was worship good? You know, just, do you like my opinions? Do you think I'm pretty or beautiful or handsome or, you know? And so instead of giving love, we end up trying to, get life from people's opinions about us, people's, uh, people's expressions about us, rather than um, being uh, people that are finding our life in God. Does it benefit me? Does it agree with me? All those kinds of things. And uh, it can be desperate at times. Or it could be showing favoritism toward somebody that's rich. Or expressing displeasure towards somebody that's poor. That's kind of how that, what that looks like uh, when God's made us actually to be new people. Um, this past Tuesday in our life group, we had uh, yeah, it was a big crowd. It's, we're multiplying actually next week. So it was, it was crazy. 25 adults with six of our regular people not there, five first-time visitors. And I looked around the room, man. It was just awesome. Multiracial, multi-ethnic, 
multi-generational, more mature people, younger people. That's PC now. That's how we're doing that in our life group. The more mature people. And, uh, I mean, we, just, we worship the Lord. And at one point we started offering up some thanksgiving to God. And, I mean, just boom, the presence of God came so incredible. And I was just like, Lord, I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for this multifaceted, multi-just-difference just all coming together to worship you and to praise you. Tears running down my face is good. And sometimes it's visible like that. And sometimes it's not as visible, but that's the reality. That's the truth. You know, and you just find yourself looking around going, how in the world did this group of people end up together? It's not because we got everything in common and everybody likes the Dallas Stars or everybody likes the Rangers, you know, or whatever. You know, it's just those things don't hold people together. But a new life in Christ does. So... Jesus Christ is the center of our lives. We've got to just settle this. God at the center, not living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where I'm making all the calls and judging everything and everybody, but where God reigns. Lord, You reign. And, uh, you know, we're going to do some ministry here in a minute, but for all of us, it's going to be a choice. It's always a choice. He, he's just, He's wooing us. You know, and praise God, that love really, that's what love looks like. Love doesn't, you know, I don't, and now you will, you know, or, you know make, make her do something. It works because there's a responsiveness in her. And it works with, for, for her with me because there's a responsiveness in me to love and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Everybody tracking? It's just a big deal. So who's the center? The second decision. This is a big one. Judgment or love. Second choice that we face is judgment or or love. Let's look at a few verses there. Verse 8 and then 12 and 13. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And then he goes on and says, hey, you're guilty if you break it. And we're all guilty. There's no question. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by a different kind of law. By a law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The point there is, the point there is, hey, we've all, we're all going to be judged by a law that says, I love you, I've shown mercy to you. It looks like Jesus Christ coming and dying for the whole world to, while we were still sinners. Christ dies for us, brings us into Him. Okay, that's what you're, that's the, that's the, that's the measure of God's wanting to bring us into uh, his life and love. And so the question then for us becomes how much is actually done in our lives by judging instead of loving? And I think it's important for us to just bring this. It, of course, we're preaching through James, and so it's, it's, uh, it's there in the text. But it's important for us to bring this up because I'm like you guys. We're all in this together. It's not that I don't know that I'm not, I know I'm supposed to love people, I know I'm not supposed to judge people. But if I don't think about it from time to time, if I don't re-up on it every now and then, I can fall back into a walk through the mall and, you know, it's her kids and she's down, you know, and just do the whole ranking thing. And, you know, there's that, uh, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? The Miller up in Oregon, the author, uh, Don, Don Miller, um, has an illustration about 
you know, that, that he said they literally used this when he was in elementary school. They had a, a life a raft filled with all these different people, different professions, and they had to pick which one. The raft was going to go down if they didn't throw a couple people off, and they had to pick which one uh, needed to go, which profession. You know, and it's like that totally fits the way we think, you know. Here, 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 I'm here, but there's here, 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 and I, I feel, you know, in the middle myself or whatever, or at the top or at the bottom. So loving, not judging. Our tendency, though, is to trivialize this. We want to be known by love um, and not the, the judgments that we make about others. Here's how we, how do we move forward? Cut into the chase. How do we move forward? When I'm tempted to judge, what does Jesus say that we need to do? The Sermon on the Mount, when I'm tempted to judge, well, first of all, he says don't do it because it's like sowing and reaping. Judge, 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 judge. Harvest comes in, you know, it's harvest, harvest of judgment. Sow judgment, reap judgment. Jimmy and I, uh, Cybert and I, were talking on the phone the other day and just we were just like, man, you know, I, I want to just keep an eye on not judging because I know I'm going to reap that. You know, so it's a, just, it's a kingdom principle there. So a big deal. So what does Jesus say to do? When we're tempted to you know, lay down our pronouncement or the, the verdict about the mom who's having problems with her kids you know, at the mall or whatever and she hasn't been dis- disciplining them and, and that's just... You know, I can't believe that. When we're tempted to do that, what we're supposed to do, Jesus says, is remember that we've got a log sticking out of our eye and that, that, that we're to see that judgment that we're about to make on her, we're to see hers as a little piece of dust in her eye and we have a log in ours. And that really will help us as we're going around, you know, levying the, uh, you know, the judgments about people. In fact, it's going to make it even harder to see, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to be able to see half as much judgments as I was making on other people because I've got, I remember I've got a log sticking out of my eye. Is that helpful? So, bring down the judgments, bring up the love. The judgments come down as the love goes up. <laughs> judgments come down as the love comes up. Okay. Um, well, here's another one. Because, because we do this, you know, this is because we, maybe because we don't remember this and we've got a speck in ours and a log in somebody else's, it just, I, I want to help us to affect change and to subvert a popular, opinion, a popular opinion out there about the church is that the church is judgmental. Wouldn't you say? I mean... Just in, in it, but the weird thing is, it's judgmental just about a few things. Just, just a few kind of, you know, few, few sins that maybe the church doesn't struggle with as much. And compared to, uh, you know, ones that we do struggle with. And so you just don't hear people, bam, you know, slamming the pulpit and greed, gossip. Just laying it down, man. Gossip. We need, to go, we need to go public with this gossip thing. We need to go public with selfishness. And just really just bring it about selfishness or pride or self-righteousness. 
You, you see what I'm saying? There's, and so we do, this, we do this ranking thing. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, and it misses the heart of Jesus in, in loving people. And I'm not saying don't sin. or I'm not saying... I mean, turn from sin. Everybody, turn from sin. The sin that you know about, but don't judge other people when you've got it going on in your own life. Big log right here and going around pointing dust specks out with other people. My humble offering to you. You know, it is... Uh, it's, uh, it's part of our growing up that we learn to do this, this royal law. Loving our neighbor as ourself. You know, and did you know that... Um, that, that idea was actually not uh, the... the uh, in ancient law codes, there was this idea of don't do to others what you don't want done to you. So it was a negative thing. Don't do to other people what you don't want to happen to you. And it was like Hammurabi and all these different law codes around the world. But Jesus comes in and doesn't just offer the negative one, He offers the positive one. Not just don't do what you don't want done to you. He says, actually treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's proactive. It's a proactive kind of love that God is calling us to in Christ. Part of the, the maturation process. And he finishes by saying, speak and act. You know, Let your words be marked this way. Let your actions be marked this way. And speak and act like people who are going to be judged with mercy and with the love of God. So be that kind of people. Don't, don't receive this unbelievable forgiveness. It's like the guy who was forgiven all this, the millions and zillions of dollars, right? You know, he's forgiven by the king, and then he goes out and tries to extract, you know, a hundred bucks from somebody, you know? And the other servants are going, this is crazy. Well, we don't want to be like that. We want to be people that have received this great mercy from God, and then we go out and we exercise mercy and not judgment. Exercise mercy and love, you know, and act like people that are filled with the love of God, the mercy of God. What he says in the end is that mercy triumphs. Mercy, mercy wins the day over judgment. And uh, that's what we're saying. So the result this morning, how does all this connect to peace under pressure? Can you see? Can you see how it's going to be hard to live a peaceful life? under the pressures of life when we're walking around judging others. And perhaps even some of the peace that we don't feel is some of the things, the repercussions of judgments that we've made on other people. So there's this sowing and reaping thing going on that absolutely kills peace in our lives. I can't be at peace when I'm at the center of my own little world. I can only be at peace when God is at the center. The kingdom way, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that peace that comes when we love and pursue the practice of the royal law, which our King calls us to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, uh, you know, in a couple of chapters, when we get to chapter 4, you know, it's, it's what causes fights and quarrels. And he finishes that little section by talking about the judgments that we make against one another. So it doesn't lead to peace doesn't lead to peace, the judgments. They don't. And when we're unclear, you guys, when you're unclear about what to do, where do you look? Yes, Jesus. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to walk this out, and I don't always know how to walk this out. That's why it's, it's not black and... It's not just this, you know, do this, don't do that. 
It is a walk with Jesus. It's a walking with Him of, of living out life with a Savior who's alive and lives in us. He's the living Christ. And He wants to be the center of everything that happens in our lives. The center, the absolute central place uh, in, in our lives. And He's going to more and more work out self-sacrificing love like He did in our lives. And everyone that we're ever going to meet, everyone in this room this morning, is someone that Jesus died for. Someone that Jesus loves like that. That's His final word for us is to love. Love people. That's what's happened for us in Christ and that's what He calls us to. Paul, I was reading uh, this morning in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, he says, if I can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, clanging gong, crashing cymbal, just doesn't make sense. You know, if I can do miracles, but I don't have love. If I can have faith that moves mountains, but I don't have love, it all adds up to nothing. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? So it's not just, hey, this is another little virtue that we need in our lives. It's the central thing. Jesus, when we look to Jesus, He's going to call us to this kind of way of living because that's what He's like. To know His goodness is going to be to know Him in this way. A self-sacrificing giver of ourselves. And we could never do that when we're at the center because we'll always run out and get burned out real quick. Going to give a little bit to you? Uh, I'm just pooped. You know, but if I'm looking to God, with God at the center of my life, and I'm just going to tell you, this, this is just how I kind of do it. I have to, I have to kind of daily, I leak, and so I have to daily kind of, sometimes physically, but I have to surrender to Jesus. And I have to say, Lord, have your way in me. I cannot do this day the things that are, in, just I'm looking at my calendar and it gets overwhelming to me, the things that are there, the people that need something. And, and we all live lives like that. We can't do it without the grace of God flowing through our lives. Amen. So, um, let's take a step further with the Lord here. If you would stand up. Ministry team, come on. Worship team, come up.